Hello, and welcome to And Let's Be Heard for Monday, July 18th, 2022. I'm Mike Kachopoli. How was everyone's weekend? Hope everyone had a good weekend. Hope everyone had a great weekend, in fact. Not a good weekend, a great weekend. Um, I am doing this show uh, from, from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. I am currently in Pittsburgh. I took Amtrak. I took Amtrak to Pittsburgh. It was like a seven and a half hour, seven and a half hour ride across the great state of Pennsylvania. I know when you talk about a state, you have to say great state, the great state of Pennsylvania. And um, I took Amtrak. I hadn't taken a long Amtrak ride in ages. I used to take Amtrak quite often um, to Montreal. I used to take Amtrak from New York City to Montreal a lot. And it was quite the ride because, you know, Amtrak. Well, I'll, I'll talk a little bit about Amtrak and uh, air travel, as I have uh, alluded to in the description of this particular show in a little while. But uh, I used to take it all the time. It was a long ride. You know, you, you could you could drive from New York City to Montreal in about six, seven hours. And Amtrak was 10 to 12 hours, depending on the border. You could get stuck at the border. I mean, they would allot like a half hour, 45 minutes for the border. And you can get stuck at the border for two or three hours, depending on what happens. If someone doesn't have the right documents and you'd be surprised how many people, especially young people, travel without a passport, without any identification. And they think they're going to get past the border guards, immigration and customs. And of course, it doesn't happen. So it would be a long ride, but I would take it a lot. And it was very scenic going through upstate New York, through, you know, Albany and up to Plattsburgh. Very, very scenic, especially like in the fall. The fall was a nice time to do that. Um, but you cannot, if you're taking Amtrak, if you're taking Amtrak, you can't, you, you, you have to be patient. You can't be like in a hurry. If you're taking Amtrak, you can't be in a hurry. This is not like Europe. This is not like Japan. This is not like China, where the trains go, what, three to four times faster than a car. Here they go about, well, half the speed of a car, if they're going without the freight trains and all that nonsense. Because unlike in Europe and unlike in Japan and China, the freight trains own the rail lines here, Amtrak, the transportation agency that transport people, they don't own the the lie the uh, the tracks, the um, the freight trains own the tracks here in this country. That's why train travel here stinks. So you have to have a lot of patience when you're taking Amtrak. So the truth that seven seven and a half hour ride uh, from eastern Pennsylvania to western Pennsylvania wasn't that bad. It really wasn't. It went pretty quickly. It's, you take some naps. They have the cafe car. The food isn't as good as it used to be. There's something else that's gone downhill, the food. There used to be better food on Amtrak. Now it's more like ballpark food, hot dogs, hamburgers, popcorn, that kind of stuff. You sh- they used to have these nice like teriyaki chicken and rice and stuff like that. Now that doesn't exist anymore. Everything, and like I've said, everything. If you look at train travel in 1955, 1960, air travel in 1955, 1960, it's better than it is now. With the technology we have now, technology is so much better. Yet here we are, half a century, 60, 70 years later, and air travel and train travel stinks. It was better in the 50s and 60s. You look at these, well, look at films like North by Northwest, all those films like uh, that took place on trains, Hitchcock stuff. Train travel was great. Uh, baseball players, right, in the 20s and 30s took trains everywhere. The Yankees, Babe Ruth, they would take trains, and it was great. Now it stinks. And and air travel, you look at photos from like airplanes, like first class, especially like from the 50s and 60s, and they had these gourmet meals. Everything was great. It was like first class. Even coach was, was, was like, coach then was basically like first class now. So what is this? Why has everything disintegrated? Why does everything just get worse? Right? Why do we get, people get wealthier and wealthier. There are more millionaires and billionaires than ever. And technology, obviously, much better now than it was in the 50s and 60s. Yet the experience, the customer experience, is so much deteriorated from then. 
And, you know, and then you get like Biden, who's supposedly Mr. Amtrak, right? I went through, I've gone through Delaware many times, that route he took from Delaware to D.C., lucky him, um, that was such a short trip. But uh, Mr. Amtrak said, oh, we're going to improve, as vice president, he said, we're going to improve Amtrak as president, we're going to, Pete Buttigieg, we're going to improve Amtrak, they have done nothing. And the Democrats always give this lip service, like we're the, the usual bullshit, we're the party of the people, we're going to make things better, and they don't. It's just lip service nonsense. So a year and a half in the administration, and Amtrak is no better off now than it was a year and a half ago. In fact, worse because of the, the horrible lockdowns and all that stuff and all the economic disaster and the firings that have happened, the pay cuts and the uh, all that stuff that have happened uh, because of COVID, because of the Democrats and Biden's COVID policies. So it's just not it's just amazing when you think about it. How things should air travel and train travel. I guess people in the think of people in the fifties and sixties thinking about air travel and train travel, thinking, "Oh my God, can you imagine what this is going to be like in the year two thousand? I mean, it was science fiction to them, right? Uh, I don't think they'd imagine what we have now, which is which is drick, total drick. No one, no one looks forward to traveling anymore. People used to actually look forward to the transportation part of traveling, whether it was a train ride or an airplane ride. People used to look forward to that experience. Now they dread it. They dread the... Who, how many people do you run to? They go, oh I, oh, I love air travel. I love train travel. No one does it. They just say, oh, it's a way to get somewhere. It's a way to get somewhere, right? It's not part of the vacation anymore. The vacation starts when that shit's over with. So it just amazes me. It really is. And you look at it. And while you're on a train, let's say, from New York or Philadelphia to Pittsburgh, and you're thinking 250 miles or whatever it is, you're thinking in Europe, that 250 miles or Japan or China is traveled in about two hours, maybe an hour and a half. Right. So a lot of trains go 130, 150. Some trains are going almost 200 miles an hour now. Here it takes eight hours. Once again, you can drive, you can take a bus, you could take Greyhound, and it's faster than Amtrak, than train travel. How embarrassing is that? Really, truly, how embarrassing is that? When we look at everywhere, other, every other country, even Canada, where the tracks are shit too, the infrastructure of the train tracks in Canada suck too. Via rail also is very slow, but at least their service, what I remember, is better. The trains are newer. The service is better. But the infrastructure still sucks in North America. The North American train travel infrastructure sucks. And you can't compare it to Europe or Asia at all. It's embarrassing. I mean, to me, it's it's so embarrassing that I can only imagine if I were like from Europe and I traveled here and I said, oh, let's take the train. Let's take... Let's take the train from New York to Boston. How long does that take? Uh, five hours. Five hours? That would be 45 minutes in Europe. That you can go from London to Paris. You can go from one country to the next in two hours on a high-speed train that never stops, doesn't slow down. These trains go 35, 40, 50 sometimes when they're going well, which is rare because then they have to slow down. Something I was just reading that the trains had to go like reduce speed in this country when it gets too hot. It's been so hot, especially in the Northeast, that the train, they actually put an advisory saying we have to slow down because of the heat. In the year 2022, that is just incredibly embarrassing. I'm sorry. It really is. So every summer for three or four months, you have to have slower, slower than slow. They can't even go 40 miles an hour. They got to go 20 miles an hour. Then they got to crawl when a you know, when a freight train comes in, the freight train has the first right. Of, come on. It's, it's, it's really amazing to me. It's really amazing to me how bad train travel here is. Just transportation in general. It's so, it, it, it's, it, 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 it's so lowbrow here, so classless. It really is. And, uh, you know, so that was my, my experience is that, like I said, if you take train here, if you take a train in Canada, you take a train in the United States, you just have to be patient. You have to see it as like a long adventure. You can't see it, unlike in Europe and Japan, Asia, 
where people use train travel like as a as a real mode of legitimate mode of transportation, right? Of efficient transportation. That's not the case here. Here it's a trip. Here it's a journey. And they've they've started this lingo because that's they they want to get the best out of it they can. And when it comes to like making things better now, they they probably can't. It's probably too late. It's probably too late now, wouldn't you think? To get all new tracks and to make them all high tech and high. I mean, how, how would you even do that now? How long would it take? If you started today, because they haven't started yet. If you started today, how long would it take before we had train travel akin to that in like Europe or, or Asia? I would happen in our lifetime. So it's probably just too late. It's never going to change. You're never going to get any better. But the Democrats will say, every time a Democrat runs for office, they will say, oh, Amtrak, train travel, yeah, yeah. end of big airplane, lo- airplane lobby, we're going to fight them, and Joe Biden, Mr. Amtrak, horseshit as always. As we lead into the other horseshit element of this, <laughs> of this broadcast, which is this whole Hunter Biden double standard. Now, I, don't, I don't talk about Hunter Biden much. I really don't. I don't, I don't talk about Hunter Biden much because – it doesn't really excite me. I find the guy to be distasteful. I find his videos to be distasteful. And I don't necessarily like when it comes to Hunter Biden, not necessarily the Ukraine stuff. Then I can bring in Joe Biden and we can implicate Joe Biden if he knew about his dealings and got involved with his dealings, which is some evidence that he has. But just with like the personal stuff, I don't like to really talk about it much because I don't think that's Joe Biden's fault. I'm sure Joe Biden's give Hunter Biden everything he had ever needed to have a good life, right? And this guy became a drug addict, and he filmed his shit, and he looks terrible. It looks like total white trash, not the president of the United States' son. But it's not Joe Biden's fault. Hunter Biden is an adult and responsible for his own life. However, there is this incredible double standard, which says that when I, the news media is not going to cover it. In other words, the, the left-wing news media, which is 90% of the news media, won't cover it because of just what I said. They'll see it as, well, it's just, you know, it's one guy who's having troubles and we shouldn't talk about his troubles much. And he, he got over it and he got through it and it's not Joe Biden's fault. Great. But they would not afford Donald Trump the same thing. You know they wouldn't afford Donald Trump the same narrative. Look, it's obvious. There's, not even, there's no arguing it. I don't want any liberals, any progressive, any Democrats to even argue this with me because you can't argue it. Because if that was Eric Trump or Donald Trump Jr., you know the left-wing media, which is 90% of the media, as I just said, would be covering it on a daily basis and would absolutely be implicating Trump and saying he's a shit father, he let this happen to his son. Come on, you know it. It would be a daily thing. It would be a daily thing on every local newscast. The Eric Trump update or the Donald Trump Jr. update. And of course, they made videos of themselves weighing crack, weighing crack, doing crack with hookers, selling. Come on. What, 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 what do you think? It would be a never ending story. So it's this incredible double standard, which shows the news media by and large is full of shit and cannot be trusted. It cannot be trusted to tell the straight story. It cannot be trusted to tell the full story. They will tell the narrative they want to push. If it goes within their narrative, within their political structure, that will be talked about all the time. If it doesn't, it won't be. So that's what we've seen. I mean, this Hunter Biden thing, in a way, is proof, total 100% lead, lead pipe cinch proof that the news media is incredibly biased, totally biased. And they just flaunt it. I mean, they, they flaunt how biased they are just by this example of not covering or rarely covering Hunter Biden. But we saw this before. We've seen this with other stuff, double standards with, with, with Biden and Trump and other double standards with, you know, the way they gave Hillary and Trump all the news coverage and Bernie none. And we've seen it over and over again. Right. We've seen this over and over again, this total media bias towards a specific narrative. And of course, <clears throat> towards the, the hot story, the story that gets the ratings. And by MSNBC or CNN covering Hunter Biden, it's not necessarily going to get the ratings because their viewers don't want to see it. If it was Eric Trump or Donald Trump Jr., their viewers would want to see it, right? So they're basically just, this is what they're doing. They're giving, they, give it, they give you what their viewers want. 
people sit and watch CNN, MSNBC, and they want to see what they agree with. And if they don't see a story they agree with, they will shut it off. So CNN, MSNBC won't cover the real news. They're not covering the real news. They're covering what their viewers want to see. They're pushing the narrative their viewers want. That's the whole point. That's how they get the, the even shit, the shit ratings they get. They would get no ratings. If CNN, MSNBC started covering everything fairly, right, started covering Hunter Biden, started covering, you know, their business connections in the Ukraine, they they would have no ratings. They would have no ratings. No one would watch them. Their their left-wing viewers would shut them off. They would say or they would they would say something stupid like, oh, they're becoming right wing when all they would be doing is doing their job as journalists and covering all the stories. So it, it, it's 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 a uh, when Donald Trump said that the media is the enemy of the people, it was just his usual forceful way of saying that they can't be trusted. Right. It was just a, a, a more forceful way. OK, a, 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 a more coarse way, if you will, of saying they can't be trusted. And he's right. They can't be trusted. They can't be trusted to tell the truth. Now, I, I think if you have a if you have a clear thought like I do, I don't think they're necessarily the enemy of the people. If, if but if, if you're an ignorant person, they can be, because then you don't know the truth, right? You can't see through it. People like myself and many of you who listen to this uh, podcast can see through it, but many some people can't. And some people are very swayed by this. You know, here I am in Pennsylvania. So uh, there's a Senate race going on here between John Fetterman, um, who's a cross between Marlon Brando and uh, Orson Welles, or at least he wants to be, and Dr. Oz. And I know liberals, progressives who love Fetterman, who think he's, oh, yeah, Medicare for all. Medicare for all is never going to happen. Haven't they realized it's not going to happen yet? How naive do you have to be to believe this is going to happen? It's not going to happen, not because Republicans don't want it to happen, because many Democrats don't want it to happen. Yet, So who cares? So why would you elect someone based on Medicare for all? It's bullshit. It's just a way to get votes. It's just a way to, for progressives to get votes. So you're totally naive. You say, oh, he's for Medicare for all. So what? Anyone can say that. Yeah, I'm for Medicare for all. Vote for me. Fuck you. Come on. Give me a break. You know, so the Fetterman thing that I've been following here is his whole shtick is that Oz is uh, not from here. He's an outsider. So he, he, you know, he needles him that way. He has the thing, Oz for New Jersey bumper stickers. He made fun of him going to like a very touristy diner or something that tourists go to, locals don't go to. I mean, this is all um, kind of shitty because it's like, who cares nowadays? Who cares? Where's Hillary from? Where she's running 80 different places. Look at Mitt Romney. So it's it, it's kind of stupid. And is, is that the only thing you have that the guy's not from here? I'm the great Pennsylvania native. Let's talk about John Fetterman, the great Pennsylvania native. What did the great Pennsylvania native do to his citizens? Believed in lockdowns, believed in forced masking, believed in vaccine mandates, believed in vaccine passports, economic destruction, destruction of minorities and small businesses due to economic downfall. This is what the great John Fetterman of Pennsylvania thought about his people and did to his people as as a lieutenant governor and would do as senator. He believed in it. He believes in lockdowns. He believes in masks. He believes in mandates, just like all Democrats. So who gives a fuck that he's local? If he fucks over his local people, I'd rather have a fucking tourist. Give me a tourist. I'd rather have a tourist. I'd rather have an outsider like Oz, who, first of all, doesn't look like a complete schlemiel, doesn't look like a fucking obese, gluttonous pig, and spoke very common sense-wise about COVID. From day one, Oz was speaking very com- when the when the Fetterman's of the world were about fear and hysteria and keeping kids out of school and you know retarding six year olds to make them think like learn like three year olds. And when he was talking about all that stuff, Oz was saying this is all nonsense. Oz was bringing a common sense, non fear based approach to it. Now, if you're gonna, it, I would rather have someone like that who has the foresight, who who has the foresight to uh, to see these things and to do the right thing and to use common sense than someone like Fetterman, who's a local. Who cares? Who really cares where you come from? I mean, Oz has met the criteria, or they wouldn't have been able to run. If you don't meet the criteria, you can't run. So he met the criteria. Um, and believe me, 
in a state that's still predominantly run by Democrats, if he didn't meet the criteria, they would have made sure, the judges would have made sure he wasn't able to run. So it, it, it's, it's, you know, it's this total like bullshit of someone's not from, and that's the only thing you have. It's the only thing he's running on. Every tweet is about, oh, not being from here. Not being from, the people here such, does he believe the people in Pennsylvania such like local fucking backwoods yokels that they can be like, yeah, guys, an outsider, we don't want him here. I mean, it's so stupid. It really is idiotic. So that's the current <clears throat> state here in Pennsylvania that I'm thinking about it since I'm here. And, um, we're seeing a lot of this. We're seeing Democrats who have not taken any responsibility for being wrong on COVID for three years and, and continuing to be wrong. I mean, they take zero responsibility. They, they simply don't care. And they double and they triple down. And they act as though this was, in their voters, act as though this was just a little blip. Even if you, do, even if you believe, of course, many of their voters believe and everything they did was right. But even if you believe it was off. Oh, it's just a blip. It's just a blip that seven-year-olds are, are, are you know, a fourth, fourth grade education, and that's going to continue through life for them. Or, or you know, that uh, minorities lost their jobs, that small business owners were put out of business, that the, that the people who were hurt the most were the poor and the minorities. These people that Democrats always give lip service to loving and adoring and wanting to help, and they do fucking nothing for them, and they end up hurting them like they did for three years during COVID. This is not just a little blip. It's a huge thing. It's not just a little blip. It's a huge thing. And then you have scumbags like Gavin Newsom and walking zombies of the dead, like Barbara Farrar in LA, continuing to do this stuff, continuing to bring it back, continuing to do it, continuing to do things that are hurting businesses just as they're coming back. If you talk to most business owners, they'll tell you that they started to come back in two phases. Mass mandates dropped, vaccine passports dropped. Of course, in states like Florida and Texas, where there were no mask mandates and vaccine passports, businesses have never had any problems. Small businesses didn't close. The economy's been great. Tourism's been buffo, okay? But in California, New York, Pennsylvania, you know, different places where they did these things, uh, mask mandates and vaccine passports, businesses were hurt. And they, they said they came back in two phases. Now, Barbara Farrar wants to bring back mask mandates, which is going to hurt businesses again in Los Angeles, just as they're getting back. This witch is going to bring back mass mandates. And don't, and don't believe she won't bring back vaccine passports too come the fall. And they're totally full of shit when you, when you hear them talk. You know, the Avenueson talks about, oh, he believes in local, local localities should do what they want when he had statewide mandates. When he doesn't believe localities should be able to do what they want with, with abortion. Um, and then Baba Farrar will, will have the nerve, the uh, unmitigated gall. To say, oh, we've never fined any individual for not wearing a mask when this witch knows that the businesses think they can be fined, even though most businesses, they've been fooled into thinking they can be fined because any, any fines a business gets from a non-law will be squashed in court, just like Democrats have lost everything in court. Democrats have lost everything they brought to court, right? The Supreme Court, local courts, federal courts, everything around COVID mandates and lockdowns, they've lost so they don't even want to find businesses because any business owner worth anything who's not a feckless idiot will then just get a lawyer and get it dismissed. So there's no law. It's a non-law. It's, non, it's not a law. When a walking zombie, non-doctor, non-elected witch like Barbara Farrar says something, it's not law. She can't make law. The Constitution doesn't say Barbara Farrar in her position can make law. It says that the state legislatures can make law, and of course city councils can make law, and they never have. Democrats have had three fucking years to have their state legislatures and their city councils make these things laws, and they haven't. You know why? Because they won't do it, because they'll be kicked out of fucking office, because they'll be recalled. That's why. They know that. They're not going to go on record. No state legislature or city council is going to go on record and make a mass mandate or a vaccine passment, anything law. They're not going to do it. They're not going to do it. That's why they haven't tried. That's why people like Barbara Farr and Gavin Newsom and London Breed and Eric Adams and Kathy Ockel haven't done it because, you know, it wouldn't happen. It wouldn't pass. They wouldn't get enough vote to do it. People would be afraid of losing their jobs if they went on record to do things like that. So these are not laws. There's no law. Barbara Farr can't make a law. What idiot thinks Barbara Farr can, what idiot thinks Barbara Farr can say, put mass on and you have to do it? What fucking idiot would think that? 
Well, an American idiot. There are many American idiots out there, and most of them are on the left. But it's these feckless business owners, and no one's been more supportive of small businesses than me. No one's been on the ass of politicians when it comes to small businesses than me, and a lot of us. Yet they have to have backbone. At some point, these business owners have to have the backbone to say, we're not going to do this anymore. We're just simply not going to do this anymore. And that's when it ends. But if they continue, if they continue to do everything Barbara Farrar says, it's tough to support them. It really is. It's tough to feel bad for them when they eventually have to shut down because they're listening to a walking zombie witch who has no right and no power to make a law. No right and no power to make a law. That's what I always ask. I always ask to tell people, what is the penal code? Give me the penal code. In other words, if I decide I'm not going to wear a mask or if I'm a store owner and I'm not going to enforce it, give me the penal code that I'm breaking. And of course, there is no penal code. There is no penal code, which is why a police officer will never enforce a vaccine. Remember, there was always talk about, oh, police enforcing mask. A police officer never enforced mask mandates because they know the law. And there's no penal code and there's no law. It's very simple. That's very, very simple. Give me the penal code. And if they can't give it to you, fuck off. Fuck off. But once again, we need, we need, oh, we need owners with backbone that aren't feckless. And a lot of these pissed people are small business owners. Some of them are foreign. They get pushed around. They don't know. They don't understand. They come from countries like China, maybe, where you can do this. But not here. You can't do it here. We have a we have a constitution here. They don't have that in China, but we have it here. And I, I would like people who come here to, to read the constitution. When you come here and you become a citizen, even if you're not, read the constitution and know the law here. Know what they can and can't do. Know what is a law and what's not a law. Know what is constitutional, not constitutional. In other words, what's legal and illegal for the government to do to you. And that's what we need more of. But, you know, people like Barbara Farrar, the walking zombie, which she takes advantage of people not knowing these things, not, not understanding these things, as all criminal politicians do. That's what criminal politicians do. They take advantage of people not knowing the law. This is what bad cops do, right? They take advantage of not people not knowing the law and not everyone's a lawyer not everyone's a judge so it's uh i i was i was part of a group and i should get part of it i should become part of it again where they taught people that when they taught actually business owners this is in san francisco about their rights about law what is law what's law and what's not law okay civics they taught them civics and we need more of that. We need more teaching of civics to individuals and business owners so they know what is law and what's not law. And at some point, at some point, we're all going to have to really just stand up to this and say, you know what? We're just not going to take this anymore, like that scene in Network, right? Or Peter, was it Peter Finch? So it, it's, uh, it, it's, it's kind of depressing that we're not hearing much out of, you know, this, this mass mandate supposed to be put back in July 29th in L.A. We're not hearing much about it. Right? We're not hearing much. Are we hearing, are we hearing people say they're not going to do it this time? Are we hearing businesses saying they're not going to do it? Are we seeing anyone filing lawsuits? Is anything happening or are we back in May of 2020 all over again? And are we going to be back in May 2020 all over again next year? And May, just like a bad Twilight Zone episode. Right, May twenty twenty in 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 twenty twenty four in twenty twenty five. When is it going to end? When is it going to end? And you know, and you have these real, you have these. Oh, Fauci! How can I forget to talk about Fauci, <laughs> who says he's going to retire at the end of the Biden administration? Uh, I think that's uh, not soon enough. Let's put it that way: not soon enough. Um, and you have these articles being written about him. Already we're seeing, okay, already we're seeing the left-wing media rewriting history. Even now, even before Fauci retires or dies or whatever, we're seeing this incredible hagiography 
Someone called him like the the uh, the germ fighter, the virus killer, you know, the hero of the vaccine. And all this total horseshit, this total horseshit, bastardizing of, of history and of recent history. The guy's never won a battle against any germ. The guy doesn't have a clue. The guy didn't have a clue during AIDS, and he doesn't have a, he didn't have a clue during COVID. The guy is a clueless political bureaucrat whore. That's all he's ever been. That's his legacy. And until someone writes that, they are not writing proper history. So we're seeing it already, right? We're seeing it already. Um, and Fauci, of course, saying, once again, having the nerve, the nerve to say, um, I look forward to not politicizing COVID anymore, not having to, not having to, not having the political, the politicalization of COVID. I'll, I won't miss that after he's the one who did it. He's the one who politicized COVID. All right. He became the face of politicizing COVID, right? He was the anti-Trump. So somehow, even though Trump appointed him, he was the anti-Trump and people just follow what he did. Right. And he, and he, he, he built on that. He loved it. He loved being anti-Trump. He would take little digs at Trump. Once you, so that's not politicizing it, you old fool. That's not politicizing it, you fucking demented fool. When you when you do that, when you become the anti-Trump and you flaunt it and you go on Sunday shows taking digs at the president and the former president when he, after after Biden was elected, of course, Fauci politicized it more than anybody. Fauci politicized it more than anyone, and yet here he is. He's the victim. He's the victim. Always the victim. You see. Always the victim. Hitler thought he was the victim. He did. You know that, right? Hitler thought he was a victim. He didn't think he was a perpetrator of evil. He thought he was a victim till the day he died. And so people like Fauci think they're the victim when they are when they're simply the perpetrator of, of evil. And these are what you call sociopaths, borderline psychopaths. I'm not a therapist. I, I don't, I'm not a you know, psychotherapist. don't know exactly. But Fauci is sociopath, borderline psychopath, everything. He's the victim. He's the, always the victim, playing the victim. When, of course, he took the lead in politicizing COVID. Well, good, rib, good riddance to bad rubbish. But uh, he needs to go. You know what? Fauci has been, he says he's retiring at the end of, of Biden's. He's reti- We've already retired him. Many of us have retired Fauci a long time ago. He just doesn't know it yet. By the way, if you want to call in, the telephone lines are open. I've been talking for a half hour straight. If you want to talk about Fauci, if you want to talk about Hunter Biden or Newsom or, or the witch, uh, zombie witch Barbara Farrar, or if you want to talk about air travel or you know plane travel, whatever you want to talk about, whatever's on your mind is grist for our ever-grinding mill. But, it, you know, it, it, it gets to the point now, though, where we, we see doctors who were appointed by Biden, doctors who were trusted by Biden, doctors who steered Biden in certain ways, because Biden has, has any original thoughts of his own, and COVID policy, saying idiotic things, such as, what did one say the other day? Train tra- airplane travel, having all these cancellations in, train, in plane travel because masks are not being used anymore. This is a real, these are real doctors saying things like this. These are real doctors saying things like this. And not just any old doctors, doctors who have been appointed by Fauci, who have been advising Fauci, saying something as idiotic, idiotic without one shred of scientific proof that all these air travel cancellations are due because mass mandates were dropped. When all you need to do is actually like ask the airlines why it's happening. Ask the airlines why it's happening. Ask the airline pilots why it's happening. We, there was an airline pilot who's been on Fox, because of course MSNBC and Tina wouldn't put him on, saying that the reason why this is happening is because 1,200 pilots, there are about 1,200 or more pilots short because so many quit because of the mask, not the mask mandates, the vaccine mandates. They quit because of the vaccine mandates. See, if you were a pilot and you were basically past the age, a lot of pilots like Sully, Sullenberger, you know, older people who were past the age of where they could have retired. They just love flying, so they keep doing it. All, all those pilots quit. Wouldn't you? 
if you were, if you, you know, if you, if you could have retired 12 years ago and got your full pension, but you're just flying because you like it. And all of a sudden now you're told you have to get a vaccine. Fuck you. I'm quitting. I'm gone. So that's what happened. So over a thousand pilots quit in a very short time period because they don't want to be forced to do a medical procedure to keep doing something they didn't need to do anymore. That's why they are short on pilots. That's why we're seeing all these cancellations. But this is easy to find out if you're not a total nut job, left wing, Biden approved doctor. It's easy to find out. All you have to do, first of all, it takes common sense. And all you have to do is actually ask the airlines, ask the pilots why it's happening. And not one airline CEO, not one pilot will tell you it's because mask mandates have been dropped. In fact, when mask mandates were dropped, people started traveling again. So you see, you, you morons, you moron left-wing shit, lib, shit for brains. Sorry, there's no other way I can put it. Let's put the two things together, okay? You had pilots quitting because of the vaccine mandates. And shortly after that, because the mask mandates were dropped, more people started traveling. There you go. See, that's that one-two punch. Pilots quit because of the vaccine mandates. People start traveling again because of the dropping of the mass mandates. Yet you have a doctor, a real doctor, who goes on television all the time, who CNN and MSNBC put on all the time, saying that all these flights are being canceled because people aren't wearing masks anymore. Does that make any fucking sense? When the, when the planes are selling out, when the airfares are through the roof? Of course not. And of course, there are so many cases, places like Sweden that never had mask men. They had no any problems with airlines. They were Japan. They no one had any problems. There were places that dropped mask mandates a long time ago. Then there were a problem with flights during mask mandates. There's no rhyme or reason when it comes to masks. Like I said, the only thing that matters, the only thing we can put two and two together with the mask mandates are is once they were dropped, people said, okay, now we're going to travel again because we don't got to wear masks for six fucking hours like monkeys, like trained monkeys. <sighs> okay? That's what happened. But these pilots quit. And now they have to hire new pilots. They're in this frenzy to hire new pilots. And of course, you can't just, you don't want any old person flying your plane. That takes a long time to train new pilots. So when you're over a thousand pilots short, you're going to get these cancellations. And when you get the airlines on top of that booking more flights because more people are traveling because the mask mandates have been dropped, that's when you get this. It has absolutely nothing to do with germs causing cancellations. This is a doctor who says this. People not wearing masks are causing cancellations. No data, no, no evidence, nothing. They just say it because it, it, it stokes people's fear. All the people out there who are fearful and hysterical, and there are millions and millions of them, and hypochondriacs and obsessive uh, disorders, these doctors take advantage of them. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah, put the mask back on. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Put the mask back on. They take advantage of them. These are evil scumbags. They are. Once again, you don't listen to the show for like pussyfooting. I'm going to tell you the way it is. These are evil scumbags. They just are. They are. They know they're scaring people and they don't care. They know they're scaring people and they don't care. They're scaring people into not living their lives. And like I said in previous shows, they scare a lot of people into spending the last two or three years of their lives being scared. Evil scumbags and history needs to show them as being evil scumbags every one of them all of these doctors take names take names like we took the name of dr mengala take names politicians gavin newsom kathy hochel eric adams bill de blasio andrew cuomo justin trudeau joe biden take names barbara farrar take names because history needs to be written about these people and how evil they were. And of course, Barbara Farrar has the face for it. They can put her on the cover of the textbook. On the cover of the textbook. Of someone who, I have a friend who believes in this, and I think there's some truth to it. That when someone's evil, sometimes it shows on the outside. 
but physical manifestations. And you look at Barbara Farrar, and boy, I think he's got a point. I truly believe he's got a point. Look at Gavin Newsom, the greasiness of that man, the hair gel king, they like to call him. I believe he has a point. But that's very important that people understand that history needs to be written, written the right way about this. Otherwise, what will happen, it will repeat itself again. And never again, never again. Yes, I have no trouble using that slogan for the COVID era. I know it was used for something else, but never again. We can never allow this to happen again to our businesses, to our families, uh, to our children, We can net to our economy. We can never let it happen again. And I know I spent more time on this than, than Hunter Biden. Sorry about that, even though Hunter Biden is the, I know, is the heading here. But you get that all the time, don't you? You open the newspaper and they put a heading and it's about something else. But I think this is important. And I've been called obsessed over this. My left-wing friends have said, oh, Mike, you're so obsessed over this. You're so obsessed over masks. You're so obsessed over vaccines. Yeah, because it, like, fucked us up. And it fucked us up bad. And it's not a blip in time. It's not a blip in history. It's not just a small error by the Democrats. It's not a small error by these so-called quack doctors. It's a huge error. And even those who may not have known it was an error at the beginning, and I think that's very few. I think they all knew they were full of shit. But even the ones who weren't, they never corrected. Even when they realized they were wrong, they never corrected. Very few. There's like one or two out there. One or two out there that I've seen on, of course, just Fox News saying that they made an error in judgment. Very, it's very rare to see that. And of course, CNN, MSNBC would never put any of those people on. So once again, if you want to call in, you can, if you have anything to talk about, or I'll just talk for a little while longer as I'm here in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania where John Fetterman thinks that the biggest problem with Oz is that he's not supposedly from here. I can't get over that, that every tweet I see from this guy is about how Oz isn't a local. or isn't, it's, it's so cheesy. It's really cheesy. We see, we see people move all the time now to run for office. This is not like a new thing. We see people who like live on the border. I mean, who cares? If you live in Jersey or Pennsylvania, I'm sorry if you're from Jersey or Pennsylvania, same fucking thing. That's a difference. New York State, Pennsylvania State, Jersey. It's all the same fucking area. He's so stupid. That's all he's got is he's not from here. Let's make fun of him because he's not from here. Even though he like – it's amazing that John Fetterman, the way he looks, can make fun of anybody. I mean truly. I mean gluttony is one of the seven deadly sins. It shows a lack of respect for yourself. It shows a lack of dignity. It shows a lack of self-respect and and uh, it, it's it's – it's not just a, one, a thing you can just say, well, the guy's got a problem. You know, people always have problems when they have no self-control, right? Lack of self-control. And so we have Fetterman saying that don't vote, don't vote for Oz because he's not from here. Nothing about issues, right? Because he can talk about issues because Oz was on the right side of issues, of every issue. Oz was on the right side of every issue. Let's talk about the last two and a half years, John. Let's talk about COVID. Let's talk about lockdown. Let's talk about masking, vaccine, passports, vaccines. Let's talk about all that stuff. Let's talk about school closures. Where were you? What was going on? What side were you on? You don't want to talk about that. So you want to talk about Oz eating um, at a, at a, a cheesesteak place that's for tourists. Are you fucking kidding me? It's, so, it's, it's embarrassing. Totally embarrassing. And like I said, the last person that you're making fun of anyone on such a superficial level is John Fetterman, who kind of, he does, he just freaks me out looking at him. I think he's freakish. He's absolutely freakish. And health matters, by the way. Remember when they said Biden's health didn't matter? Remember when they said Biden's health didn't matter? Well, where's it gotten us, this idea that Biden's health didn't matter? So John Fetterman's physical health matters. The fact that he nearly died a few months ago I think that matters. I think it does. When someone's running for Senate, United States Senate, one of 100 people, I think your health matters. Absolutely. No doubt about it. And I think it matter. I think Biden's mental health mattered. And this we've been proven. It's been proven for the last year and a half why it mattered. 
And John Fetterman's physical health matters. Can he do the job? Will, will something bad happen six months in? And then the person that they elected is no longer in office. I mean, it matters. It absolutely matters. So let's talk about the real things, John, that matter. Real things. Not, not, not stupid, frivolous nonsense. Incredible. And of course, Democrats are falling for it. I see it happening. We see it in the polls, too. The Democrats are usually, as usual, they're falling for it. And then they'll complain. Then they'll complain. Oh, nothing ever happened. He talked about Medicare for all, but it never happened. Oh, he, he was locked down again. Oh, mask mandates. They'll, they'll complain about everything. And they'll keep electing the same fucking people. Because there's a cult of the Democrat. The cult of the Democratic Party. And they have to vote for a Democrat, no matter what. Hey, someone's going to save me from talking all night. Is this, uh, who's this? Oh, Daniel. Hey, Daniel, what's up? Hey, Mike. When are you you heading back to San Francisco, buddy? Uh, it's a good question. Very soon. Very soon. Do you miss me? Am I missed in San Francisco? Well, uh, I I know some domestic terrorists that that I miss you. So, yeah. Well, I'll be very, I'll be very nice. I miss, I miss certain people in San Francisco, but I can't say I miss San Francisco. But do you, do you blame me? I don't blame you. Uh, (laughs) If it it wasn't for ties that I have to this area presently that could dissolve, um, maybe they won't. But uh, if it weren't for that, I would have left um, over a year ago. Um, I wouldn't have moved here a year ago, and I would have left the Bay Area over a year ago. Right. Um, I want to just talk a little bit about, do do you remember uh, Obama's Surgeon General and what one of his pet projects were in what he thought was epidemic um, at that time and continues to be epidemic at, at our time. Do you remember what that, that was? Um, okay. Ebola? No. No. Some, something, something that has no uh, a, a microbiological pathogen associated with it. Oh, okay. No, no micro. Whatever you just said. No, what is it? Tell me. Um. He said that, that we were suffering from a loneliness epidemic. And oh, I remember caused, the loneliness epidemic. I do remember yeah. that now. That's yeah, right. And he's, and he's absolutely right. And there, mm-hmm. there, are many, there are many things that set, set us up for being taken advantage of um, by pharmaceutical companies, by uh, uh, political operatives, et cetera, et cetera. There's a long list of, of mm-hmm. who took advantage of us during COVID and profited from the chaos. There's a long list, and there's a long list of, con- of conditions that made that possible. One of them, I think, is this epidemic of loneliness, which continues and is only going to get worse. If you have people whose lives are so devoid of joy, all they have is life itself. That is all they have. And, and so they're going to they're going to cling to that. And if you tell them that this life is threatened, e- even a little bit, they're going to say, oh, yeah, we got to do whatever it is to, to, to protect us, because that's all they have is life. They're devoid of living they're, they, they All they have is life. So if you're if you're living under a circumstance like that, it's almost you know, understandable or at least predictable that people would be conditioned to respond in the way they did during COVID. And that is sacrifice so much in order to stay alive because they weren't really sacrificing anything. They, they weren't living. There's just joyless people that um, like, like the pr- former Surgeon General, and I wish I could remember his, his name, um, spoke of was this epidemic of loneliness that we have in this country. That was, you know, it's, it's just, it was such a fertile ground um, that loneliness has laid for this type of response. And, it, and it's not going away. Loneliness continues. Obesity continues. All these things were all uh, very important variables that, that made the whole COVID thing possible. Um, and, and it's not going away. So that's something I think everyone needs to keep in mind when... We now have a virus that's endemic. Okay, great. Everyone's probably thinking it's over. No, it's not over. The conditions that made this minuscule little virus, something that was, uh, as as a pathogen, was 
barely any different than influenza and was far, far, far weaker than the influenza that our grandparents had to deal with, where the infection fatality rate was someplace around 20 times higher than it, than it was post-vaccines. I mean, I mean, we're dealing with such a little threat, and they let their world crumble around them just to cling to this life because it's all they had left. Fill it with living, as I've been saying from the very beginning of this nonsense, that when life becomes more than living, more important than living, neither has value. And I want to just leave you with those words. Well, by the way, the guy I'm talking about, the doctor who said that the reason why we're getting all these cancellations because the mask mandate for jobs is, is Jonathan Reiner. You know Jonathan Reiner? No, I don't. Yeah, he's, he's, he's a professor of medicine and surgery um, uh, somewhere here. Where is it? Oh, at uh, George Washington there. GW. Yeah, George Washington. Boy, I was just there recently. I should have gone to visit him. Um, and he's a, something called an interventional cardiologist. What the hell is an interventional cardiologist? It, it's somebody that doesn't, doesn't sit around and prescribe beta blockers and send you out the door. <laughs> they might actually yeah. do something like uh, measure uh, cardiac uh, pressures, et cetera, by putting yeah. the catheters in you. <laughs> but his, 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 big, his big claim to fame is he's, he's a CNN medical analyst. That's it. Is it? So this guy is basically a heart doctor. He's a heart doctor talking about masks, how masks... <laughs> How mask mandate, how mask up a, a virus, vi- microscopic virus particulate from getting into your system. This is a heart doctor. Well, any, any doctor that went to medical school, including myself, would, would know that if they, all they had to do was read this very simple mask literature. Um, and it's, 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 it's not quantum physics. It's, uh, it's, it's a, a high school student can, can understand it. Um, has all the tools. But shouldn't, they, George, shouldn't they George Washington, shouldn't, they, shouldn't a doctor of this caliber know how to analyze data and, before, before saying something like this that he cannot prove? He should know how to read the, the, the papers. All you'd have to do is read the papers or read the abstract in the papers. And they would all say, uh, ran, you know, look at the randomized control trials. And if you would have read them and read the meta studies, then it would have all, all of them would have concluded a, no effect that was statistically uh, um, significant uh, d- due to uh, masking with respect to upper respiratory illness uh, transmission and infection. And, and, and that's the way every, every single paper that has come out. You have some, some ridiculous papers that have come out and been touted by the mask wearing, uh, um, uh, which, which we call these people. Cool. Um, Cult. What? Cult. Well, yeah, by the mask-wearing cult. Yeah, um, the mask-wearing cult. Cult. Some of these pa- touts a bunch of papers around. They love to tout certain papers, and almost all of them are based on simulations with huge assumptions that that the facts just do not bear out. They are just one hundred and eighty degrees different well, but, but, than the but assumptions. We've seen, doc- we've seen doctors throughout this whole thing, Daniel, doing this crap, doing things, we saying have. things like this, saying things like this, these frivolous things that have no medical backing, no scientific backing, because they want their narrative to. They want to prove their narrative. They want to push their narrative. We have a corrupt media, and we have a corrupt medical industrial complex. I mean, there is so much corruption, we have, and, we, and corruption runs all through science. I'm a scientist, and I see it. Um, I reviewed a paper just this last week. Um, I know that 99% of other reviewers, if they would, this paper would have come across their desk, if the uh, journal would have sent them, them the um, invitation to review this paper, that 99% of them would have said, oh, great, not me. I actually reviewed the thing. I actually have the, the skills and uh, skill set and the depth and breadth of knowledge to, to, to read the thing critically and say, this is nonsense. So I send it back. But this is, this is what has polluted our, our Dan IH it is those 99% of, 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 of so-called scientists. They're not scientists. They're careerists. They do whatever it is to push their career forward. They are so, have such little interest in science. It is appalling. And that's, that's where we are. We have corruption in our media. We have corruption in the medical industrial complex. We have corruption in science that is just so deep and so broad. It goes all the way through NIH, down to the university level and down to the department level. It is just, it is just, we are going to need a sea change in morality and ethics in order to fix, in order to fix this. And 
what has happened during COVID. And the reason that, that I talk about COVID, I don't, you know, you have your reasons. The reason we continue to talk about it is because the costs are great. And the costs have not been paid. The costs are going to be paid by our generation and successive generations. Over $10 trillion were taken out of budgets, out of budgets to be, budgets of the future, because of COVID. And that money was given to pharmaceutical companies, etc. That is going to be $10 trillion less spent on education, $10 trillion less spent on health care. That's going to be $10 trillion less spent on research, et cetera, et cetera. This is going to ripple through generations. That is why we continue to talk about it. That is why we say never again. Very well said. And also, I want to finish on this whole this idea that Barbara Farrar is uh, basically she uh, once again like most like she's not a doctor at all right at all not, not, no not, she's, not, she, she, i think she she may have she may have got a master's in public health but okay. that, that that all that is is basically a business degree right we we've seen more and more people like her in positions of power like her who could say you know put masks on take them off mask on take them off we've seen more and more people like that that they don't they've never actually even the doctors you know medical degrees they have like fauci they haven't seen a real patients in decades this is a woman she doesn't see real people there are, there are docs out there who actually see real patients all she does is look at a computer screen looking at numbers going up and down and deciding oh we need to do this now because numbers are up we need to do this now because numbers are down it's a yeah. total, it's a it's a it's a total she's a total bureaucrat there's no science in that at all there's no health there's no science in her decisions whatsoever she simply looks at charts on a computer screen without ever dealing with real patients and real people you don't you don't you don't have to deal with real patients to understand what's good you're you're not a doctor you're not dealing with real patients you've got a clear vision and had 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 clear vision right. from the beginning of this as as many many people have and and we all understand whether 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 you state it explicitly or not we all understand that in 2020, there was a gigantic departure from conventional treatment of epidemics worldwide. Conventionally, what, what, what every public health department would do would warn people that a pathogen was out there, and they would try to give them some sense of how lethal the pathogen is, give them a good sense of what they could do to, to prevent that, and then they left it up to the individual to make those decisions. That was it. And that that is exactly what should have been done this time. For the first time ever in the history of this world and the history of public health departments across this globe, have we departed from conventional wisdom gained from literally thousands of years of human beings dealing with upper, upper respiratory illnesses and pathogens of all types. You don't have to be a doctor to, do, to, to understand that departing from conventional theory was a freaking disaster. You don't have to practice. You don't have to see patients. You don't even have to be a physician. You don't even have to have a degree in science to understand how unwise the wisdom, departing from the wisdom of millennia was. I agree. Unfortunately, these are the people who have been put in these positions of power. That's the problem. These are the people who've been put in those positions. Well, they, they, everyone was screaming at them. They got, the media got them all hyped up and afraid, and they screamed, "Do something! Do something!" And these idiots say, "Oh well, here, here, this is something." Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Do something. Well, they did something, but they did it to us a million times, and they keep doing it to us. And it's called it's called screwing us. That's what they're yeah. doing, basically. That's basically what they're doing. That's their that's their that's their doing something. That's their accomplishment. Daniel, thanks. Yep. Thanks, Michael. I appreciate it. Thanks. No, it's true though. It's it's like this is this is what we've had. We've had people and Daniel's right. You know, Daniel's right. You don't have to be a doctor. You don't have to be a doctor to be able to uh, to analyze this data and to actually just have your eyes open, have common sense and just to see what's happened over the last you know, going on three years now, two and a half years. You don't have to be a doctor. But the problem is also that a lot of the public thinks these people are doctors. Believe me, most of the public, including people in LA, probably think she's a doctor of epidemiology. She sees patients. She's a real doctor. She's got her hands in it. She knows what she, they think that they don't know the truth. They don't know the truth. They say, oh, 
if they believe me, if most people knew what Bob, what Daniel said about Barbara Farrar, that she's got this stupid degree and nothing, they wouldn't listen. But they don't know that. They don't know it. They assume that people in these positions are like the best of the best of the best in this area that they're controlling our lives on. And that hasn't been the truth in any city, any Democrat-run state or city. None of them. None of them. So it's actually no wonder we're in this position that we're in of doing the same thing that hasn't worked over and over and over. And all it's doing is hurting the public, hurting the public health, hurting the economy. Enough is enough. Stop complying. I think I'll say that every show until I hear from the streets that people in L.A. are not complying, that people in L.A. are not complying, that business owners in L.A. are not complying, that they're not they're not just uh, in a in a very they're just not just mar- basically these business owners are marching to their deaths. They're marching to their deaths. That's what they're doing. That's exactly what they're doing. Because half of businesses were shut down because these business owners complied. Understand, if these business owners never complied, their businesses never would have been shut down. They would have never had to shut down. But they complied, and they caused their own destruction. Very frustrating. But we've been on for about an hour now. I'm in, uh, I had a long trip on that Amtrak, which, like I said, is not the way it should be. It should have been – the whole trip should have been two, two and a half hours instead of eight. But, you know, that's the country we live in. I'm doing a lot of complaining, a lot of complaining. Anyway, uh, we're going to call it a show. I want to thank you for listening to And Let's Be Heard. I'm Micah Shopley. And remember, always remember, vote Democrats out of office. And don't vote John Fetterman into office. Vote Oz into office. Vote Democrats out of office. Vote him out now. Thanks for listening. I'll see you tomorrow.